Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. This morning, we're going to continue our series called The Parables of Jesus. But can I give you all a little life update uh, since I preached the last time about two months ago? Can I do that this morning? Is that good? I was going to do it anyway because I have the mic and uh, you're sitting there. And so I have a captive audience. Uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, So a few months ago, uh, we had a dog uh, get out of the fence. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't make it back in the fence. And I found him in our alley. And it was just, it was really sad. Uh, His name was Brody. He was actually the first dog that we uh, got together uh, seven years ago or something on Valentine's Day too. Uh, That was our Valentine's Day gift to each other was a dog. And uh, it was, he he was awesome. He was a long-haired dachshund. Uh, Our family absolutely loved him. It was actually my kid's first experience with like, you know, losing something that you love. And so that was, that was interesting to walk through as I watched my four-year-old son, like realize that Brody's gone and never coming back. And, uh, and so, but y'all know how that feels, right? Like just that feeling. I mean, I know it's just a, a dog or maybe a cat or a goldfish, I guess. Um, but you get that feeling of just losing something, right? And so it took, uh, a couple of months, three months or something for us to finally just go, okay, uh, we would like to get another dog. Uh, I don't know why it took that long or is that much of a conversation. Uh, it's almost like trying to have another kid. You're just like, should we do this? Uh, I don't. It's just a dog. Um, but here, I want to show a picture uh, of our new dog. His name is Rex. Uh, aw, that's right. Aw. He is, he is a mutt. Uh, he is a half basset hound, half German shepherd. And so uh, what you see right there on the picture is what you get. You got the size of a basset hound with the face of a German shepherd. And if you're watching, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're not going to, I'm going to try to explain this for you. He's got the coloring of a basset hound, but like the face and the snout of a German shepherd and the teeth of a German shepherd. Oh my goodness. He, uh, he likes to nibble and it hurts. His front paws look like little stumpy basset hound paws, but his, his hind legs look like German shepherd legs. And so he looks really weird, but he's also really soft. And, uh, and the kids love him. We love him. He's about four and a half, five months old. And so er, eight months old. I got that wrong. Um, but he, he's the, like the cutest little thing. Um, and other than like his constant chewing, just things like that, uh, he's a pretty good dog, you know, except for the fact that he tore up like all of my kids' stuffed animals. It was awesome. <laughs> Y'all get that, right? Like you find your shoes in the middle of the yard and you're like, I just bought those, bro. Like quit it. And, uh, and then you chase him around and it's not, it's just not good. Uh, you get the picture in your head. Uh, but we have another dog and we'll, I'll throw up a picture right here. Her, aw, that's right. Aw. Her name is Scarlet. Uh, she, we, we like mutts, apparently. Um, she is a half Rottweiler, half Beagle. So she looks short and stumpy, but she's got the face of a Rottweiler, uh, but the coloring of a Beagle. And, uh, and so she, she looks a little... She, we call her our sausage. Um, her, her back end waves more than her actual tail. Um, it's, so, it's so awesome. But she deals with anxiety. And, uh, and so when it's like fireworks or just it's really loud um, thunderstorms like last night, uh, she tried to bust out of her, uh, her kennel uh, while we were trying to sleep. It was awesome. It was like midnight. Uh, she, just, she just gets really worked up. And uh, so you can imagine throwing a new dog in the mix doesn't really help, right? And so Robin was in Albuquerque two weeks ago uh, for a pastor's wives retreat, which just made it like amplified to like the nth degree. And she keeps crawling through this little, I wish you could see it. This gap, no joke, is maybe like two inches wide. 
and she's like 35 inches wide. Like she is literally a sausage. And she keeps crawling through there somehow. And we keep like, it was the most inconvenient thing when Robin was gone. I had to throw both of the kids in the car and we had to go drive around and look for our dog. And we finally found the dog. And y'all know that feeling of when you find your dog, right? And you just get, you're just so excited and you start like texting all your friends and you start posting on Facebook because you were texting them, hey, if you see a dog that looks like this, that's my dog. Um, and and you, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all get that feeling? Yeah, I, I got one hand back here. There's one person, maybe two. Okay, so I'm like texting Robin. We're so excited. The kids are excited. And then it happened again, except this time it was raining. It like poured for like five minutes. And the dog was soaking wet when we finally found her after like 45 minutes. And thankfully, we like turned a corner and she's just walking, strolling, just smiling, tail wagging, just walking down the sidewalk. And, uh, and so my kids are like super excited. I throw her in the back of the truck because I don't want wet dog all inside of my truck. Can I get an amen on that? Because it stinks. And so we finally get to the house. My kids are hugging wet dog. Uh, so now the house smells like wet dog. I'm wiping the dog down. And she's just so excited. We're all excited. We're all celebrating. I'm texting Robin and uh, telling her, hey, we found our dog. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, it happened again. On Wednesday, this is all within like a week and a half span, y'all. So y'all are hearing it, uh, my life in real time. So on Wednesday, Robin was in Florida at a conference uh, for school counselors, and it happened again, except this time it happened after youth service. So it's like 9.30 at night. I've got an almost five-year-old. He'll be five in like two weeks. And I've got a two-year-old at 9.30 at night. Are y'all hearing the pain in my voice? <laughs> it's late. I'm tired. I was here for like 13 hours. And I'm literally like, the kids are in there. We call them nammies. So the kids are in their nammies. And I'm putting them down. And I open the back door. And only one dog comes in. And I was like, yeah, uh uh-oh. I was like, oh my gosh, are you serious right now? So I'm texting Rob. And I was like, I'm about to give this dog away. Uh, Pray for me. And so we we load the car up at 930 at night. We're driving around to almost 10 o'clock. We finally find the dog. Uh, It just happened to be the street over. And I think I like... I may have freaked people out. I have a tactical flashlight that zooms in and out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I am like shining this thing in people's windows and people's front yards. I'm like, I'm like tactically like looking for our dog at 9.30 at night and, uh, and finally found her about 30 minutes later. So I get home and texting Robin like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited that we found our dog. And y'all know this feeling, right? And I'm, we had this feeling like three or four times in the last two weeks. It's getting ridiculous. Uh, it's almost like, you know, at this point we should just give the dog away. But that's just me. And so I was thinking about this, and, I, and it got me thinking, what person among us, uh, if we lost our dog, wouldn't leave everything behind, wouldn't leave everything behind and go and look for that dog, even if we have to shine a flashlight into people's homes, right? Like, we look like a crazy person. Uh, have you ever seen the old lady? I, I'm sorry if you're an old lady in the house. That's just the first thing that came to my mind. My bad. Uh, like whistling, walking down, looking for sprinkles or whoever it may be. And, uh, and you know, they just, they, you all kind of look crazy when you're looking for a dog. I was about to just drive into someone's front yard looking for my dog. In your, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, in our pajamas. And so it's like, which one of us wouldn't do that, right? As much as I was like, I just want to leave this dog behind and uh, just go give her away, uh, the reality is, is that we love the dog too much, right? We love the dog so much that we would, I, will, I will do almost anything 
to go get our dog back, right? Because the, the heartache and the heartbreak of just uh, what the kids experienced the last time, and it's just that I don't want to bring that feeling up again. And so we're just like, we got to find our dog. And so it made me think which one of us wouldn't leave everything behind and go and get our dogs. And then when we find it, what do we do? We get excited and we start texting people and we start posting on Facebook, hey, I found my dog. And people are excited, even though they don't even know the dog, right? They're just like, they're, everyone's excited. And uh, we, were, we were celebrating, you know, I'm like sending, uh, it's a gif, by the way, it's not a gif. Um, that's a debate for another time, even if you don't know what that is. And, uh, and so we're like, we're like sending each other like, yeah, we found our dog. But Jesus says it this way. If you'll open up with me to Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 3 through 7, he says this. He says, so he told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. He says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. And so I just kind of compared you to a dog and Jesus compares you to a sheep. Uh, but here's why. Here's why. First of all, Jesus calls himself that he's the good shepherd, right? He says, I know my sheep and my sheep know my voice. But here's another reason why the Bible compares us to sheep. Sheep really have no, uh, no homing skills. And, and so if they get lost, they get lost. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm almost convinced that my dog is half sheep because every time she gets lost, I know she's not coming back. I have to go and find her or else she'll be wandering the streets forever. And so every time the Bible uses this and why Jesus had to, had to compare us to sheep in this parable is because he's saying that we are like the sheep that when we get lost, we have no homing skills, right? And so he's saying spiritually that he would do anything to go after the, the one, that he would leave the 99 and go and find the one. And so in our human rebellion, we lose our way and spiritually and on our own power and, and on our own strength and knowledge, we honestly, we have no homing skills, Right? And so somehow we get out and, and we, we lose our way and we start trying to do things on our own power and on our own strength and on our own knowledge. And Jesus says, how many of you, he's trying to do a heart connection here. Did you catch that? Because I asked how many of you, if you had a dog get out, wouldn't leave and go and find it. And Jesus is doing the exact same thing with the sheep shepherd thing. He's like, how many of you would not go and leave the 99 to go and find the one? And it almost seems irrational because you're like, well, you got like 99 others, right? We know some people, they got like 27 cats and they'll go and leave the one. And you're like, but you got 26 other cats. And they're like, no, but I got to go find Fufu. I got to go and find her. We love her. And it's, it's much uh, in and of the, it, of the same with this parable. And so if that didn't catch, he goes on. And if you read right there in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, he says this. He says, or what woman, 
who has ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. And so most agree that when you read this, uh, it's the word uh, for the coin actually means day's worth of wages. And so the imagery Jesus is trying to paint here is that we've got a woman who uh, may be poor. And really all she has is this 10 days worth of wages. And how many of you, if you lost like a day's worth of work, you would go hunt down your boss and ask, where was that day's worth of work on the paycheck? We'd all do that, right? I got one hand over there. We'd all do that. We'd be like, I worked. I need that. And for her, she does a little bit of spring cleaning. I mean, she starts like, y'all ever, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I had piggy banks. I like piggy banks for some reason, especially the ones where you push the coins in and it counted for you. Y'all ever have one of those, right? And I didn't trust that it counted right. So I would take the lid off, dump it all out. Y'all, any of y'all ever do this? You start counting everything. Did you ever lose one of those coins? It like rolled under the bed or something, but you didn't realize it. And you're like, that thing says like 2750. I counted 2725. This isn't right. And so what did y'all do? You start ripping off the sheets. You start flipping the blankets over. You start taking pillows out of pillowcases, even though there's no way it could have rolled into the pillowcase. Y'all get in this picture in your head. You're like, you're like crawling under your bed. You got like, you know, you're like doing this thing, trying to like, you start getting brooms, you know? And, and it's the same way. Jesus is trying to paint the picture of, this is like a desperate situation. She just lost a day's worth of wages. This is the difference between eating and like not eating a week from now. This is like the difference between like having a home and not having a home like five days from now. And so Jesus is trying to paint the picture of her losing the coin and, not be, and, and just going on an all-out like Navy SEAL 6 search for this thing. Y'all know what I mean? And I remember the days of like balancing a checkbook. Who remembers those days? Kids don't know. If you're under like 22 in the room, don't raise your hand. Um, my mom would sit me down and we would do balancing the checkbook. She taught me how to do it all. And, uh, and now I have an app for all of that. But y'all know that feeling of when you balance it like 10 cents off, right? And you're going through and you're like, hold on. You're like going through all the things. You're pulling out all the receipts. You're just... And so Jesus is painting the picture of this is, it, this is the kind of situation that this lady is going through. But here's something, there's a couple things on this parable I want to point out. So the first one is about the shepherd. So it's about the son because Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The second one is this because we're about to start piecing all of these together. And I know I'm moving a little fast, but we're going to start piecing these together. The first one is about the shepherd. It's about Jesus. The second one, I want you to get this picture in your head is that the lamp that she lights is a representation of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that lights the path. Y'all see what Jesus is doing here? This is called the, some people call this the lost and found parables. Some people call this the trinity of parables. And so Jesus is the shepherd and the Holy Spirit is the lamp. And she was using that lamp. And as she swept, right? It's not like your house that's dust free because you got kids at home and they sweep even if you ask them 17 times. And so her floor would have been really dirty. And so she's sweeping. And at the same time, it's almost like she's doing like a one-handed sweep. And I just get this picture in my head of like, a one-handed sweep, 
and, uh, and, and like holding the lamp like this and just hoping that as she's kicking the dirt around that there's this, that there's this shimmer on the floor. Y'all get this picture? And so she's looking. It's not just like if I dropped a quarter on this really nicely clean carpet. Thank you, maintenance crew. Um, I would be able to see it, but in her house, it may have gotten covered with dirt because she didn't realize until days later that she had lost it. And so she's sweeping and she's looking and she's sweeping and she's looking and she's sweeping and she's looking. Do you get that you're the lost coin that Jesus is looking for? And so she's sweeping and she's looking and she, and she won't stop until she finds it. And when she finds it, she says, rejoice with me because I have found the lost coin. And Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. And I love this particular lost coin parable because he says in the presence of angels. He doesn't say all of heaven. He doesn't say the angels. He says in the presence of angels, there is much rejoicing. And here's the picture that I get when I hear that. Uh, our son will be, like I said, he'll be five in a couple of weeks. And just a couple years ago, 18 months ago, we started him in soccer. And uh, does anyone have kids that play sports? You know that feeling you get? Uh, so my son didn't score a goal like all season, his first season. And, and you could just tell he's getting really disappointed. And so we said, hey, if you, if you score a goal, we'll take you to go get a paleta or an ice cream or whatever it is that you want to get. I have never seen my son with a fire in his eyes like I saw that day. Uh, <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like when you promise your kids something, if they, you know, if there's a reward. From the opening kickoff, I mean, the, the, they said go because there's not a ref really at four years old. They said, okay, go, you can go now. He, he kicked that ball and ran past. I mean, it was like, it was like you didn't even, it was a blur. He just, he took off. And I mean, it was like, he bent, he bent it like Beckham. I mean, really, like he just like, I mean, he stopped and he kicked that thing and, it, and we got excited. I mean, we're sitting on the edge of our seats. And you know that feeling, right? Like, uh, you know that feeling when your son gets or daughter gets that first ground ball and they're ready to throw to first and you're just sitting on the edge of your seat and you're just, you're just waiting and it's almost like, it's all, and, and they're only four, five, six. You're like, they're not even a professional. They're my professional, right? And, and so you're just, you hold your breath and it feels like everything just stops. And then they, you know, score the goal or, or get the out and you're just like, yeah, and you get excited. You know, I was probably looked out of my mind for my four-year-old. Um, and then he scored like four more times that day. And it was just, it was awesome. And so we're getting excited. And then the same thing happened in baseball, right? He got his first ground ball and he threw the ball to first base. Um, I was able to pitch to him when he got his first hit. And so y'all, y'all get this sense in your head. And here's how I picture it this morning. Here's how I picture it this morning. When it says that there's much rejoicing in the presence of the angels, here's what I picture. I picture God on his throne. And he sees that it's, it's nine o'clock on Sunday. And so he knows that in Roswell, New Mexico, um, church is about to start at Waymaker Church. And so he kind of perks up a little bit. He's getting excited because he knows church service is coming. And then 10 o'clock rolls around and he, you know, we're exalting him. We're lifting him up. And he's smiling because he's like, yeah, this is, this is what I created them for. This makes me excited. This makes me happy. This blesses me. 
And then the sermon happens, and he's like, well, he kind of butchered that line, but that's okay. He'll get it next week. And, uh, and so he's, he's sitting on the edge of his seat, and then it's that moment. You know that moment when we say every head bowed and every eye closed? You know that moment? I always picture God just kind of getting on the edge of his seat. And when that one hand raises up, that it's just like an explosion in heaven. That God is just like screaming. He's excited. There's much rejoicing in the presence of the angels. And it's just like a big party in heaven. And he's saying, that's the, that's the one. That's the one. I, I'm so glad that they gave their life. They surrendered their life back to me. That's why I sent Jesus. And even if it's one on the entire earth, there will be much rejoicing in the presence of the angels. You, you feel that excitement? You getting that picture in your head of just God getting so excited in anticipation of, that's my son and daughter. I created them in my image. And I hope today that they realize what exactly it was that I did for them. And so Jesus said, as the lady lost her coin, she's sweeping and, and lit a lamp and she's searching and, and God is doing the same thing. You know, even if you're at work and you are just having a conversation with somebody about Jesus and what they're doing in your life, I still imagine, it doesn't just have to be in a church service, I still imagine Jesus just kind of sitting up, just anticipating. And just waiting. And just waiting and going, there's almost like a spotlight. And it's like, I just, I want him. I want her. It's why I sent Jesus. Today's the day. Jesus says there will be much rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. And so the first one was about the shepherd. And the second one, the lamp, represents the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on, and he says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he's just, he's rattling off these parables, just one right after the other. And he says, he also, and it says, he also said, a man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, it's always the younger brother, right? Older siblings, it's always the younger brother. <laughs> the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. Which basically he's saying, I, I'd, just, I'd rather you be dead. Because an inheritance is, you know, usually something that comes after the passing of a, of a, of a father or a mother. And so he's saying, I, I'd rather you just be gone. Basically, you're dead to me. He's like, give me what I have coming to me. And so the father distributed the assets to them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. And after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing and this kind of reminds me, if you've ever read Romans, 
This kind of reminds me, uh, Jesus is helping paint a picture for me anyway as I was reading this, of Romans 1, right? Where he sa- it says that people don't have excuse to know that he is the true and living God because he created everything in such a way that you should know that there is a true and living God. And he says that people know that he is God and yet they suppress the truth. And in their doing whatever they want to do, God releases them to do whatever they want to do. And I get that same picture from the father in this parable. That the son says, I I just want to do what it is I want to do. And so the father says, okay, well, I mean, I guess if that's what you want to do, take it. And it says, after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. And so you get this picture in your, in your mind of, well, when it rains, it pours, right? Because not only did he tell his dad, I, I just, I kind of wish you were dead to me. And the father and all of that pain and all of that grief is, is probably just like, okay, son, and just starts counting what he has and dividing it out to him. And then the son goes off and he just, he spends everything, he wastes everything. It says with foolish living. And then if that didn't make it worse, it says that once he had spent everything, that a famine struck the land. It says, then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And so people, the people in attendance with Jesus telling, when he's telling all of this, there's probably a big like, <gasps> because not only did he leave his homeland, he went somewhere else. And then he kind of, you know, sold himself into work labor and is feeding the pigs. And, and if you know anything about Bible history or uh, Jewish culture, uh, pigs are, you know, a big no-no. And, and so you get this picture. Jesus is, is trying to say that this son is like the lowest of, he's like in the lowest of the low place. You know, he's like, he's rock bottom right now. Like it really can't get any worse from here, and it says that he longed to eat his fill uh, from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. Have you ever been in a place where you're searching and searching and searching, and it just seems like you're just em- getting emptier and emptier and emptier? I mean, this son is like he's he's in a he's in a bad spot, and and, and he's saying he's asking for help. Hey, just help me any way I can. It just I, I just need a little bit to get me to next week, or I just, I need a little bit of food. Can you help me, please? And it's like nobody will give him anything. And then verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. And so those that were listening to Jesus would have been like, wow, this, this guy's in a really bad spot. And sometimes, and hear me say this, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we will come to our senses. Was that anybody else in the room if you're a, if you're a Jesus believer in the house today? Because that was me. I remember one of the last parties I ever went to in high school. 
Um, I was just, I was so far gone. And I remember the only sober moment I had that night was walking into the bathroom. And, uh, and I looked in the mirror and I, I legitimately asked myself, who have you become? It was almost like that rock bottom moment and that came to my senses moment happened all at the same time. And then I remember just shoving that thought down as far as it would go and I walked right back out and went and did whatever it was I was doing. And it, it's funny though because it wasn't too long after that that I actually surrendered my life to him. But I remember that moment. And a lot of us remember that moment. Whether it was mentally or emotionally or lifestyle choices where you just, you, you finally hit rock bottom. And it was like all of a sudden you just like, it was like that, that clear thought, like it's never happened before. And you're like, what am I doing? Where, where am I going with my life? And that's the same moment that Jesus is painting here with the son. Because the son's like, I could just, I could go back to my father and I would, even if I worked for him, I would have it way better off. You know, I'm like eating the pig slop or wishing I could and I at least get like Wendy's and a Happy Meal over there, you know? And so Luke 15, 18, he goes on to say, Jesus does. He says, I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired workers. And so he got up and went to the father. And so he's reciting the speech to himself. I just imagine him walking down the street. You know, the scene from the movie where they're like reciting the scene and then everyone kind of looks at them funny. They're like, okay, I won't say it that way, but I'll say it like this. And the son, he's just walk, he's walking to the father's house and he's like, I, I've got to say it like this. My, maybe my face needs to look like a certain way uh, to show that I really am sorry. And so he's, I just get this picture of just this reciting of this speech in his head. But then it says this, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. That means the father was looking. That means every day the father would get up and open the door and stand on the patio and kind of do one of these and just was just was searching as far off as he could see. He's just, he's looking out in the distance and he's like, maybe today is the day my son will come back home. Maybe today. Okay, if it wasn't today and then the next day he wakes up and stands on his front patio and he's looking out again. He's like, maybe today is the day that my son will come home. And then one day he, he's looking out and he sees this little speck in the distance. And he's like, I, he's like, I haven't seen that yet. He's like, that looks, that looks different. And it just, it gets bigger and bigger. And I just, off in the horizon still, it's just a shadow, but it's just, it's getting closer and closer. And again, I, I get the picture of the father. He's just, he's standing there. He's just anticipating, what is that that's coming this way? And when he finally realizes that the, the Bible says, Jesus said, that when he saw him, he was filled with compassion. Notice how it doesn't say that he was filled with anger 
or that he was filled and talked to his son in a way that brought about guilt or brought about condemnation. You see, a lot of us, we, we just maybe walk in here because our spouse makes us come or our kids really like the kids' ministry. And every time we come in here, we, we say, no, God's not for me because he would be angry at all the things that I've done. He couldn't accept me the way that I am right now in this current moment. And I want you to take note that the son never got his speech off. That the father saw him from far away and was filled with compassion. And I remember that as a, as a new believer, I actually had a hard time believing uh, that God had the fatherhood role. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. Because I didn't have the greatest example growing up. But can I tell you something? The father was filled with compassion. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story. And so he says that he was filled with compassion and the father ran and threw his arm around his neck and kissed him. Can I tell you something this morning? I've always heard a lot of people say that in that culture they didn't do that because it was a shameful thing. But you know, I know there's a lot in the room that have never experienced that from a father figure before. And can I tell you something? God's ready to do that for you this morning. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And then the son finally gets his speech off there in verse 21. He says, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And it's almost like the father doesn't even, doesn't even, this doesn't even click. Because he says, then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And what if, Every time somebody gave their life to Jesus, we just threw a barbecue. Wouldn't that be great? Doesn't that just sound good, you know? We're like, yeah, you gave your life to Jesus, hamburgers. Um, that would be awesome. That's what, they, that's what they're doing right here. Right? He's like, he's like meat, beef, yeah. Uh, that's what we need to do. Go find one and kill it, and let's, let's eat. And it says, so they begin to celebrate. And now his older son was in the field as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. There's a party going on right now. And so he summoned one of the servants and questioning what these things meant. And the servant told him, your brother is here and your father has slaught, uh, slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then the older son became angry and didn't want to go in. And so his father came out and pleaded with him, but he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many years for you and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, doesn't even call him his brother, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother's of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
And so, the, so Jesus is very strategic in the reason why he told these three parables. And so the parable of the lost sheep was about how the shepherd goes after the one. The parable of the lost coin was how the Holy Spirit lights the way. And then the parable of the lost son is about how the father is waiting, filled with compassion. But there's a reason why Jesus is telling these parables, because in Luke 15, the first and second verse, it says this, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. And they said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so we look at this and we're like, wow. Wow, what a bad attitude. You know, people are, people are surrounding Jesus and, and the religious people of the day, the religious leaders, the ones that were setting the tone, the ones that were uh, helping people to understand and obey the law. They're like, these people aren't worthy. How dare Jesus eat and, and talk to these people? And it's easy for us, it's easy for us to write off the fact that this was just the Pharisees. But as I was preparing this week, God was putting it on my heart that it's very easy to take on the attitude of the Pharisees. You know, we walk into church sometimes or, or you know, whatever, and, and we're like, oh, man, they're playing this song again. I'm just going to put my hands in my pockets. Can't believe they're doing that. And someone on the other auditorium is, is encountering God for the first time. You know, or maybe at work, or maybe somebody even walks into here, or we see someone at the grocery store, and they're wearing something that barely resembles clothing. And we go, I wouldn't wear that. Instead of having the eyes of Jesus, who would see them as a lost one. Jesus is telling the Pharisees in this moment, the reason why he told these three parables is because he's saying the very people that you are murmuring and scoffing at are the very ones that I was sent here to die for. And so church this morning, what if we had the attitude of Jesus and we said, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they sound like. It doesn't matter what they're going through or what they've been through. These are the very ones that Jesus came and died for. Because Jesus said this himself. In Mark, it's recorded, it says, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but it's those who are sick. And I don't know about you, but the, I didn't go to the doctor the last time to, you know, when I felt good. I just woke up one morning, I was like, I'm gonna go to the doctor today. That sounds like a good idea. He says, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so you know what? I hope this church gets more and more full of people that don't always look like everyone else and don't always talk like everyone else and don't always sound like everyone else and don't always say the right thing at the right time. 
And church, I hope when we see them, because hear, hear the heart of Jesus here. I hope when we see them that we're filled with compassion. And that as a church, we would do anything. And we would leave the 99. And we would go and find the one. And that we would celebrate with heaven. And so here's, here's what we can do if we find ourselves with what I call a Pharisee attitude. Because hear me out, it happens to all of us. Right? We get comfortable with our, with our uh, belief in Jesus. You know, we think we've all got it together. It happens to all of us. We can pray for the one. We can seek the one. And hear me on this last part. Don't give up on the one because Jesus didn't give up when you were the one. Pray for the one, seek the one, and don't give up on the one because Jesus didn't give up on you. Because Jesus takes sinners and when they repent and turn back, he doesn't just rebuild them. He redefines who they are. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is, is we have all missed the mark. And it was like perfect timing. We did a Q&A with the youth students this last uh, week and I passed out index cards and pens and I had a panel of, of some of our interns and uh, Noah and we were, we were sitting around and I took the questions and I was moderating them. And, uh, and I saved one of the questions for last because it was worded very, uh, very interesting to me. The question was, who was the man that put Jesus on the cross? And I think what they were looking for was, does the Bible specifically name the person that put Jesus on the cross? And I said, yes, I did. I'm the reason Jesus went to the cross. You are the reason that Jesus went to the cross, not in a bad way, not in a like, wow, I killed somebody, but for the joy set before him. He left the 99. Philippians 2 says that he, he humbled himself and was born as a man. Lived the life we were supposed to live, died the death we were supposed to die so that we could find newness of life. And Romans 5.8 says it this way, because I think this kind of helps tie it all together when we're talking about how Jesus left the one, or left the 99 to go and find the one. It's like when I found my dog covered in rain and soaking wet and was just dirty, and I, I didn't clean her until we got home. You know, I took her the way that she was. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners. The key word there is while. Not after we took the right number of classes, not after we said the right things or did X, Y, and Z or did the special Christian formula. 
the Bible says that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. So as I recap this morning, Jesus is the shepherd who goes after the one. The lost coin is the Holy Spirit that lights the the lamp that lights the path. And the parable of the lost son is the father is waiting for the lost to come home. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.